Hello, I'm Luis Montadas Prim. Throughout the course of this summer, I read The Bottom Billion by Paul Coulier, an economics teacher in the University of Oxford. This book discusses why the poorest countries are falling and what can be done about it. By this, the author discusses what he thinks are the causes of poverty and suggests some solutions to reduce them as an economist. He focuses on a group of people that he likes to call the bottom billion, in order to not say the countries that live in poverty, revealing how these 58 countries are trapped at the bottom of all economies known to be the bottom billion. There has been no economic progress for the last 40 years in these countries. Coulier argues that being trapped at the bottom aggravates the income gap between the bottom billion, which is immobile, and the rest of the world, which is growing. To get a clear idea, the author divided the world among three categories. The most developed countries, those that are developing, and those that are living in a world full of poverty and that struggle to have required goods in order to live. Paul Coulier explains that these countries fail to progress and develop because they are stuck in one of these four traps. The first one being the conflict of trapped, another one being the natural resources trap, the trap of being landlocked with bad neighbors, and the trap of bad governance in a small country. In order to better understand why these countries are here, let's analyze all these four topics, all these four traps, sorry to say. The first trap is a conflict trap. For example, Let's say war, which makes a country poor and poverty makes a country vulnerable to war, meaning that this is why it's such a struggle to escape from. A war can make a country poor due to its extreme cost, as one civil war is approximately tens of billions of dollars per a country. Apart from the idea of poverty itself, a more specific factor that makes a country prone to war It's the fact that it, it's slow growth or the fact that it's declining. As the book states, when a civil war looks to be in the cards, investors flee and the economy declines. It looks like decline causes war, but actually it's the anticipation of war that causes decline. Another conflict that encourages the start of war are natural resources. Dependence upon primary commodity exports being commodities, being needed resources, such as coal, gold, copper, and so on. Or what can substantially increase the start of a civil war? The fact that these commodities are so needed by other economies and only a such country has it. Another example is the geography, which plays a huge role. A big country with a population which is dispersed around the edges, the middle, can summarize to why the main point of the conflict trapped is that war can keep low-income countries, in this case, the bottom billion, from growing. And they keep depending on the exports of primary commodities from other countries. Due to this, there's more open to a civil war in these poor countries, which means that once this civil war is over, those countries in the bottom billion are more likely to get involved in this country restarting the cycle once again. A second trap is the natural resources trap. As it may seem clear, natural resources are needed goods, such as bananas, fruits, so on. Let's keep going. Paul Coulier suggests that countries that are rich natural resources are illogically worse off than countries that are not. Let's explain his theory. 
First being because the government often uses surpluses, meaning that they overproduce these types of natural resources in order to benefit themselves, only their economy. And the lack of transparency can lead to conflict. The exploitation of the natural resources can result in an increase of revenue in that sector, which is obviously what a government wants, more money, more producing. But if they overproduce and they don't really use it, that might not lead to a revenue that is, that is good enough. That leads to a stronger currency in the nation when compared to currencies of other nations, which results in what is known as the exchange rate, resulting in different industries to be less competitive among each other. Let's discuss about the biggest and most important one, in my opinion. The fact that being landlocked with bad neighbors, meaning a growth can spill over, which is if a country's neighbors are economically stable, in this case, I will mention it later, this is beneficial for your country as well. Coulier claims that this can also happen when flipping the roles, meaning that if you are a poor country and you are landlocked with countries around you, which are equally as poor, or in this case, more poor, it will be a huge struggle to incorporate these, your own country to the world of economic growth. As stated, if you are coastal, you serve the world. If you are landlocked, you serve your neighbors. But if your neighbors are unstable economically, that's no good for you. An example from the book being, why is Uganda poor when Switzerland is rich? Well, let's answer that. It's because Switzerland's access to the sea can depend upon Germany and, it and the Italian infrastructure, both extremely wealthy countries, along with Switzerland being one of the most expensive countries in the world due to the fact that they are so wealthy and get paid more. Whereas Uganda's access to any trade resource depends on their neighboring country's infrastructure, which honestly gives the idea of why they are so landlocked and they are one of the most impoverished countries in the world. This example of Uganda and Switzerland proves how being landlocked is a trap that impedes development. Lastly, to wrap this up, the fourth trap, being a bad governance in a small country, which tends to be many of those in the bottom billion. Let's start with a quote. A terrible governance and policies in a country can destroy an economy with an alarming speed. As it may seem obvious, if a country has a poor economic policy or corrupt leaders, then those outside countries, being bigger, wealthier, or anything better than those in the bottom billion, will not be interested in the collaboration, or in that case to invest, as it seems that they will not be taken and they do not seem like professional countries to work with. This is why the poor countries can't rely on others by the fact of investing. Any possible solutions to this could be such as the fact that globalization has been one of the primary solutions to the majority of developing countries leading to wealth. But the fact that this time the bottom billion will, can't develop every time they keep on falling more distant to those countries that are developing, making it much harder to catch up if they ever can.
Development is about giving hope to ordinary people that their children will live in a society that is caught up with the rest of the world. Now let's try to analyze what can be done in order to succeed with what Coulier has said. First, the fact of aid, which we may think is simple, but the fact that by giving just money to that country is not that good. There's barriers to it. And as research shows, researchers believe that just the fact that aid could sometimes make things worse due to it being a possible temptation to rebel and take over because the capturing of the state has such an increased value that there are now two types of aids, technical assistance and money to governments. And by depending on the government's status, one aid is more efficient than the other. Lastly, one possible solution could be the trading policies and how they could be adjusted in order to encourage free trade, which can give the bottom billion exports and give them a chance to involve themselves with the real world and hopefully drastically decrease marginalization, which means that they are on their own. To conclude, this book has made me personally reflect on how lucky I truly am and how hard it truly is to escape poverty unlike it is shown in movies, making me lose hope in a way that made me realize everything is a matter of will and unfortunately luck. You may get super lucky or you may not in life. You may live in Switzerland or you may live in Uganda, but at the end of the day, you cannot pick that. If leaders of powerful countries were to invest more of their time and hopefully their money and stop being so selfish, more people in poor countries wouldn't lose hope so quick and truly fight for change. Then there could possibly be a slight chance that those in the bottom billion can rise up, but for that, one must unite as all. Thank you.